Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. First and foremost, we need to understand that we can't just oversimplify the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. I know those two divisions are there, the Old Testament 39 books, New Testament 27 books, but we actually need to understand the fullness of the covenants, the seven different covenants that are in the the entirety of the book. And seven is the number of completeness, you know, fulfillment. So we have seven covenants. It started with the Adamic covenant in the Garden of Eden. It was a covenant of blessing. God blessed them saying, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. Behold, I give you, you know, every seed that's on the ground and every fruit that's on every tree. And for you, it shall be for food, not insects, by the way. Fruits. All right. So God didn't say here, I give you grasshoppers and crickets and worms and cockroaches to eat. That's not a blessing. I'm not eating anything that crawls on the ground. It's cursed or lives in the ground. So anyhow, and then continue with the Noahic covenant, which was the covenant of blessing continued. God blessed Noah and his son said, and said, through your seed, all the nations shall be blessed and, and, and spread out and, 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 and take, over, take dominion over the world. And of course, Nimrod rises up to gather where people were supposed to scatter. Think about it. I mean, the whole earth was there for the taking, and there was really a small number of people. So everybody could have their own, literally their mountains, and everyone could have literally their own lake and their own river. I mean, think about the prosperity that was available. So what was the, the Tower uh, of Babel? It was really an attack on the prosperity that God had blessed his people with because Nimrod wanted it all for himself, and he wanted people to gather in a small, confined area where there are limited resources that they have to share, where he controls everything. So he's really the first type of the Antichrist in the Bible that we see. And that's where the whole route goes to the Antichrist establishment. If you actually look at the European Union, when they were coming out, they had this poster that was an official poster of the European Union. They were actually showing the Tower of Babel, unfinished Tower of Babel, and it was a construction site on their own poster, basically saying that we're going to complete the Tower of Babel. So that's what these people actually believe. The world elite, this global establishment, the Antichrist establishment, actually want to complete the Tower of Babel. What does that mean? A one world government, a one world economy, where everybody's under the control and all the resources are under their control. And and that's really where where they want to take this. But we know that, of course, that's their agenda, but God has another agenda. All right. So the blessing continued with Noah. Then God made the covenant with Abraham. And we saw that it was through Melchizedek, priest of the Most High God, who has no genealogy, who has no beginning, who has no end, a type of Christ, Christ in his priestly ministry. You have to understand that Jesus actually wears many hats. He's our Savior, He's our Lord, He's our healer, He's our righteousness, but He's also our high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And so Melchizedek appeared to Abram and blessed him. Blessed be Abram of Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. Amen. And then proclaimed the blessing over him. God initiated the blessing and the covenant transaction was made because he brought him the bread and the wine, which is, of course, a type of the, the table of the Lord, of communion, the cup of blessing. And Abram took and drank from the cup of blessing. And then the Bible says he gave him a tenth or a tithe of all. And that's the first time we see the word tithe. So the concept of tithing as a principle was not established under the law because there was no law. Nobody told Abram, you have to tithe. 
He didn't do it under obligation or under any kind of law. He did it in a covenantial transaction in his response to honor the blessing. And when you honor the blessing, guess what? The blessing of God is going to honor you. The blessing, whatever you honor is going to work for you. Whatever you dishonor is not going to work for you. It's the bottom line. And so it was established as a part of the Abrahamic covenant. Now you have to understand under the Abrahamic covenant, God promised Abram or Abraham, of course, later on when his name was changed and he met El Shaddai when he was 99 years old. Um, God promised him basically a twofold lineage. He said, I'll bless your offspring. I'll bless your seed. And through your seed, seed, not seed, seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And then he said, your seed shall be like the sand on the seashore, which is the natural seed, the nation of Israel that came out of that. And then also like the stars in the heavens. And that's the spiritual seed, which is all the nations. Now you have to understand something very important. Until the time of Jesus, th there was this concept. There was Israel and all the other nations. Goyim. Do you understand me? For Israel, God's chosen nation, it was them, the chosen nation, and every other nation. All the other nations were outside of the covenant. All right? And so this is very important to understand. And when it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, God preached the gospel to Abraham saying, In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That word nations actually refers to nations that are not Jewish nations, all the other nations. And then when you read in Galatians 3.13, and it says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for curses that everyone who hangs on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, the nations. Again, that word Gentile, other nations, non-Jewish nations. So think about this. So what was the curse of the law for the other nations? They were not included in the covenant. The nations were under a curse because they had no access to the covenant of blessing. And Christ redeemed. He broke down that wall of separation. There is no longer Jew nor Gentile under the gospel, the New Testament. That's, so the curse of the law was also a curse on the nations. They had no access into the grace of God. And that's the New Testament. So the Abrahamic covenant is not done away with. Abrahamic covenant is an everlasting covenant of blessing. It continues. Because God told Abraham, this covenant shall be with you and your generations forever. Amen. All right. Then after the Abrahamic covenant came the Noahic covenant. I'm, I'm sorry, the Mosaic covenant, which would be the covenant God made through Moses with the nation of Israel. And that was the covenant of the law, usually referred to as the Old Testament, the Old Covenant that has been fulfilled and, in a sense, done away with because it's been fulfilled. Because everything in the law pointed to Jesus. All the sacrifices, all the rituals, all the feasts, the tabernacle, the temple, everything pointed to Jesus Christ. And it was fulfilled. Amen. Amen. So now, the Mosaic covenant is what is referred to as the law. That's what it means to not being under the law. Because the Gentile nations were never under the law. They were under the curse of the law because they were excluded. Deuteronomy 28, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you will hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. Was for Israel, not the other nations. You understand me? So the, the promise of the blessing was only given to Israel under the Mosaic covenant. And the curse of the law was that the other Gentile nations were excluded. But now that curse has been lifted so that 
the blessing of Abraham. The same covenant of blessing God made with Abraham. And that the second part of the promise that I'll bless your seed and they shall be like the stars of the heavens, which is all the nations included in the covenant. Now there is no more separation. There's no more curse. So I'm a Gentile. Not a Jewish man, Turkish man. Do you understand me? Turkish people come from the lineage of Japheth. Actually, we're not Semitic people. We're not really Middle Easterners. We're Asian, Central Asian people that came to the Middle East. What is today Asia Minor, Turkey? So actually, I'm Caucasian. My wife actually, her family actually comes from the Caucasus Mountains. She is the original Caucasian. <laughs> if you really want to be technical about it. Thank God I'm not white. Can you imagine being like white, white? Mm. I'm tan colored. Pretty weird the labels we put on the flesh. It's just ridiculous. There's no white, there's no black. There's no Jew, there's no Gentile. There's no male, there's no female. So anyhow, do you understand what the curse of the law meant for the nations, the Gentile nations? They were excluded. And that curse has been lifted so the Gentile nations can be grafted into the Abrahamic covenant of blessing. Read the, the book of Galatians. That's why it was written. That we are of Abraham if we have the faith of Abraham. The sons of Abraham are the spiritual sons of Abraham who have the faith of Abraham. And, it's, and the promise is unto faith, not unto the law. So we receive the blessing as Gentiles, Gentile nations of every tribe, every tongue, every nation. We come in, and that's the New Testament. Now between the Abrahamic covenant and the New Covenant, of course, which was cut and ratified by the blood of Jesus, okay? And him being the high priest, went to heaven and presented his blood. Just like the high priest would sprinkle the blood seven times at the mercy seat, which would be type of the throne of God. Jesus Christ went and presented his blood to the Father at the throne in the heavenly temple. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father, forever making intercession for us. Amen. So what does that mean? He is speaking on our behalf because he is the mediator of the new covenant. He is our high priest after the order of Melchizedek, not a Levitical priest. That is done away with. And the Levitical priesthood was limited. And it was also symbolic. So we don't pay tithes to Levitical priests anymore. But we read Hebrews 7. We bring our tithes and who? Jesus receives them in heaven. As our high priest because it's a covenant transaction do you understand that and in between the Abrahamic covenant and the new covenant was the Davidic covenant of course that was about the throne kingship all right and then after the new covenant we have the everlasting covenant now think about the blessing in the everlasting covenant when we when we become co-heirs with Christ in the eternal city of God we walk on streets of gold, live in mansions where God sh shares his unlimited eternal wealth with us. Amen. I mean, there's no, there's no greater prosperity and wealth than that. Come on, somebody. Amen. You ain't seen nothing yet. Amen. The billionaires of the world are just paupers 
compared to every single believer when we step into the everlasting covenant. So, I mean, think about the, the prosperity, the wealth, the glory we're going to experience in the everlasting covenant. Okay, you're not going to live in a shack in heaven. You're not going to live in a cardboard box under the bridge in heaven. Do you understand me? We're going to live in mansions. We're going to walk on streets of gold in the heavenly. And the heavenly we're going to have access to the heavenly temple. We're going to be in the city of God. That's going to be our eternal home. Amen. The gates are made of pearls. I mean, just read. Just read in the book of Revelation towards the end there. The description of the city of God. So the everlasting covenant is the fulfillment and the finalization and lifting all limitation off of prosperity where you have unlimited prosperity the blessing okay do you see that so anybody that comes to tell you well we're no longer under the law we don't tithe because yes we don't tithe under the mosaic covenant we don't have levitical priests here to collect the tithes as a mediator of a covenant to to be the go in between we're all priests so we actually have ushers who can collect the tithes not levitical priests amen do you understand me anyone can literally and i mean you here's the freedom you can literally go on zell and tithe you go straight to the source you give in to the Lord. There's nobody in between. Because we're all a royal priesthood. Amen. So now let me tell you something about this. So understanding the whole concept of tithing, the 10%, all right? That is the minimum. That's our reasonable service to the Lord. Now let me explain to you the difference between tithes and offerings. Because there's really three kinds of giving. Tithing, tithe, the word tithe itself means one-tenth, 10%. Then offerings, and then almsgiving. Now, almsgiving is basically giving to the poor. And in that regards, the, the Bible tells us, that's where the Bible, Jesus talked about, let, your, let not your left hand know what your right hand is doing. When you're giving to the poor, it's usually good to do it anonymously, to be a blessing. And he who gives to the poor, the Bible says, lends to the Lord and the Lord repays him. So you get back one-to-one -one on your almsgiving. Blessing the community, giving to the poor. That's what we do. That's what Back to School Bash is about. And then that's just we do that as a, as a church corporately. But then, of course, in our personal lives, we need to be blessing the poor. Helping people that have needs. Right? But that comes after tithing. And offerings. And as you know, in Malachi, when God was speaking to Israel, he said, you robbed me in tithes and offerings. Not just tithes, tithes and offerings. So what is the tithe and what is the offering? Now, the tithe being the 10% offering is everything and anything you give above and beyond the tithe. So if you haven't even started tithing, you really aren't even giving offerings yet. Because once you start a tithing, what you give on top of it. Now, let me explain to you. The tithe is the great equalizer. The tithe is the great equalizer. In tithing, all of God's people are equal for all can give the same amount. That is one-tenth. The rich do not give more. The poor do not give less. Rich and poor are all leveled 
leveled out in the tithe for all give the same percentage that is 10 percent the lord does not ask the rich for more in terms of the tithe now again nor the rich buy their way with god by tithing more or whatever the lord does not ask the poor for less either nor can the poor say that they are too poor to afford tithing or too poor to give anything so the tithe is the great equalizer everybody is equal under the tithe now of course not amount wise but percentage wise it's the same amen the tithe is the great equalizer however the offerings are the great unequalizer did you hear that offerings are the great unequalizer what does that mean because the tithe in the tithe we're all equal what is expected of us is the 10 percent right but offerings are above and beyond the tithe whatever remains that's when we have blessed the lord with his portion whatever remains is our portion now it's from the from what remains we determine seed so the seed we saw actually is not the tithe the tithe is not the seed the tithe keeps us in the blessing as we honor it but what happens when the blessing is active in your life the power of multiplication is active so now you got to have something to multiply so what is multiplied is the seed and when jesus was talking about some 30 fold some 60 fold some 100 fold what does that mean that is not equal so the offering is the great unequalizer because that's up to you where you determine in your heart and in your mind what you will sow as seed right he who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly he who sows abundantly shall reap abundantly let each one give as he has decided in his own heart and his mind let each one give cheerfully right not under compulsion or of necessity because that is not talking about the tithe there is no compulsion i can't come and say okay now you've tithed the 10 percent. okay now you need to sow 30 percent seed or you need to sow 10 there is no law there is no compulsion there is no number that is between you and the lord that's where the great unequalizer comes in that's why you see some that are more blessed than others because you can't just settle for the tithe if you're a tither that's the minimum now you got to step in you got to sow something to to multiply the tithe prepares the ground it's blessed it's ready the ground is right your heart is right you brought the tithe now your field is ready but if you're not planting your field how can you get a return from the field now of course if you go plant a quarter acre and somebody else goes and plants 50 acres there's going to be a big difference in the return it's not going to be equal so the seed becomes the great unequalizer this is where you have the opportunity to exercise your faith to believe god and sow seed and believe god for the increase to multiplication and this is where the real acceleration and the multiplication is going to come into play because the offering is what happens above and beyond the tithe after the tithe and this is so important for you to understand because i want to see everyone here accelerate financially grow financially be blessed see increase see the harvest of return 
God, right, he gives seed to the sower, multiplies your seed sown, gives you bread to eat, and increases the fruits of your righteousness. So the power of the seed. It's getting quiet here. Are you like hearing this for the first time ever in your life? Yeah, this stuff. That's it. They don't, people don't preach this stuff anymore. But this is the word. So the tithe is the great equalizer where everybody is the same. All God is expecting is the 10%. But then offerings are above and beyond the tithe. In offering, God's people are different and give different amounts. This is the difference in tithes and offerings. And there is a difference. And God tells us in Malachi 3.8 that he tells Judah that they robbed him in the tithes and the offerings. Offerings are over and above the tithe and people can give more or less in offerings according to how the Lord prospers them. This is where the scriptures on the rich and the poor apply. So think about this. So, you know the story of, the G- of Jesus at the temple. People were bringing offerings, right? And then here comes the woman with the two mites. So let's just say two pennies. Two pennies. What can you do with two pennies? Nothing. Most people see a penny on the ground. They don't even bend over to pick it up. Literally. Well, Because what are you going to do with a penny? So here comes a widow woman with two mites, two copper coins, two pennies, let's say, all right? And then Jesus stops the offering. This was not tithes. They were bringing offerings to the temple. This was not the tithes because the tithes would be brought to the Levitical priests. So this was a different situation. And Jesus stops the offering and says, hold on now, I need to recognize this woman. Which, of course, in the natural, nobody would recognize her because it's two pennies. Who's going to recognize two pennies? Right? This was not a tithe. This was an offering. And then he says, this woman has given more than all of you. Because you have given from your abundance. This woman has given from her lack. She brought 100% of all that she had. So... Everything she had went in the offering. And the other guys there, I mean, they're bringing sacks of gold and, you know, sacks of silver coins. And it looks like, wow, that's a lot. But they were giving from their abundance. And if you actually looked at it, it might have been another 2 or 3 or 4 or 5% above their tithe. But this woman brought 100%. So basically, Jesus recognized that this woman had given more than all of them. Her seed was the most powerful seed in that offering that literally got the attention of Jesus himself to where Jesus literally interrupted the offering collection and recognized the woman publicly. Do you see that? That was not a tithe. That was an offering. So people were giving from their abundance, but she gave from her lack, and that was an offering. And in that case, that was the great unequalizer. Because otherwise, Jesus would have recognized everyone equally. But that was not equal recognition. That was an unequal recognition because the woman had given more than all of them. And the sacrificial giving of this woman in her desperate need. Now, of course, we don't know the rest of the story of the woman. But I can guarantee you 100%. And you can write this down. You can come talk to me when we get to heaven if you want. Go find that woman in heaven and she'll tell you the rest of the story. 
I guarantee you her life changed from that point on. It is impossible for you to give more than all there and be recognized by Jesus and not have your circumstances and your life and your situation absolutely, radically, completely, drastically, totally changed and be turned around. It's impossible. It's impossible. Otherwise, God will be a liar. And he doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. And you know that she got blessed from that point on. You know her life changed from that point on. So talk to her when you get to heaven. Say, Pastor Corey, my pastor told me to come and find you. Can you tell me the rest of the story? Now, this is the rest of the story. You know. She'll tell you the rest of the story. Her life did not remain the same. And that was the great unequalizer. Because there was not equal recognition. There was an unequal recognition because of her faith. Because of what it required for her to give everything. You know, it's going to take more faith to give more. Bottom line. Takes more faith to do more, to give more, to serve more. Everything more you do for the kingdom of God is going to require more faith. And so when you apply your faith, that seed becomes more than just money in an offering. It becomes faith that gets God's attention. Because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He rewards faith. He rewards faith. Amen. Amen. So say this after me. The tithe, the tithe. is the great equalizer. The great equalizer. Offerings, Offerings, sowing seed, is the great unequalizer. Hallelujah. So you determine in your heart, man, I'm pressing in for more. I'm believing God for more. That means I'm going to sow seed. If you have some things you believe in God for, you believe in God for things in your life. You believe in God for things in your, for your family. You believe in God for things in your business. Sow seed and release your faith and speak over that seed and water that seed by speaking to it. Do you understand me? Because you can't really... The tithe is different. It opens the windows of heaven. Pour, God pours you out a blessing. You don't have room enough to receive. So the blessing is poured out. Amen. And now you, you, you don't have room enough to receive. So now that you have this storage places, because if you bring the tithe and then there's, you know, food in my house, he says, my, bring it to the storage place in the house of God. Then he says, I'm going to open up storage places for you. Big ones. So think about a farmer that has huge silos. And he's got this huge field, but he never sows any seed. And there's no harvest. The silos are going to remain empty. So sow seed. Reap the harvest. Gather the harvest. Amen. When you gather the harvest, keep sowing seed from the harvest. Make it a perpetual thing. Not a one-time thing. Not only will you have more than enough for yourselves, you'll have bread to eat, and then you'll have storage places will be filled with plenty. But don't eat your seed. If you eat all of your seed, then you won't have a future harvest. Anybody knows anything about farming should understand that. Wow, I got a great harvest, wonderful, I'm blessed, I'm going to eat all of it, then you have no seed left to sow. You have to keep sowing seed for your future harvest. Amen. So is this helping anybody here today? 
I felt I need to bring some clarification because this message is under attack. We got people coming out saying, you know, you don't need to tithe. Just give what the Lord tells you, you know, what you feel in your heart and things like that. Well, you, how can you be given what you feel in your heart as an offering if you haven't even started tithing? Hallelujah. So just to finalize this, the new covenant priesthood and giving, we know that the covenant, as we see in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 19, the truth of the covenant is seen. Hebrews speaks of the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant and the new covenant. So all three covenants are discussed in Hebrews chapter 6 and 7. And and all of that is brought together, how that fits in. The old covenant is done away with. It's abolished at the cross. The new replaces, replaces it and remains eternally. And we also see that there was a change of the priesthood. We don't have Levitical priests anymore. We don't have a temple in Jerusalem anymore where we have to go to to bring tithes to Levitical priests. The presence of God is everywhere. The Father is looking for people who are going to worship him in spirit and truth all over the world. The woman in Samaria said at the well to Jesus, you Jews say that we need to go to, to the, the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus said, an hour is coming where you will no longer have, have to do that. For the Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Wherever you are, because we are now the spiritual offspring of Abraham. We are the spiritual Israel. But there's been a change in the priesthood. We don't have Levitical priests anymore. We have the fivefold ministry and we have the ministry of helps. And when we come and we bring our tithes and offerings to our local church, and that is collected through our helps ministry, and it's oversight by the church pastoral staff, and, and we keep the accounting and the books and all of that. And then as the Holy Ghost leads the fivefold ministry, that's how the money is used. Amen. So there's a change in priesthood, and there's never a place in the Bible where you find that the tithe is done away with. It's actually still in effect, except that Melchizedek received tithes of Abraham and blessed him, and the Levites who received the tithes, Bible says in Hebrews 7, 8, they died. And the Levites who received tithes paid tithes to Melchizedek for this priesthood was yet, an un, yet the unborn in the loins of Abraham. So read all of that. So we find that here we see that the Levitical priesthood actually paid tithes to the greater priesthood of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, king of righteousness, that's Jesus Christ, in his kingly ministry and as a high priest in his priestly ministry. This confirms that once more tithing was not of the law, but before the law, it was confirmed under the law and continues under the new covenant because Jesus Christ is our high priest who receives our tithes and our offerings. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.